previously on Unbillable Boston. Someone else can be looking through your eyes at whatever it is that you are doing and instructing you. And even seeing here, your hand is coming into view. No, no, to the left. Okay, right there. Got it. Now turn that dial. No, 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 not that much. Okay, good. You know, it's real-time interactive. Now that's kind of interesting and neat, but imagine if you're the single doctor in a uh, hundred square mile area in sub-Saharan Africa and you're treating a patient. Now someone else is looking through your eyes and seeing visual signs of disease or disorder and instructing you on what to do. That voice you heard was that of Ned Sahin. He is the CEO and founder of Brainworks, which is a very exciting company doing great things in the area of autism research and therapy. And he was talking about the ability of the Google Glass to enable surgeons to do some remarkable things with some instant feedback. But what we really got into with Ned was how the Google Glass device, that that uh, funky uh, eyeglass-wearing-looking thing that people will be wearing eventually once that product comes out, is is going to be able to do some pretty incredible things in getting people with autism to interact better with the world. And that's kind of the name of the game when it comes to autism therapy. We also talked to Adam Goldberg, who's the CEO of my Ed GPS doing some pretty cool stuff in terms of providing resources for families with special needs kids. So special needs breakthroughs last week on Unbillable Boston. Check it out, unbillableboston.com. You visit that website and you can get all the uh, back episodes of our podcast. We come out every Monday. We explore the behind the scenes uh, world of Boston when it comes to business, law, politics, media, all other kinds of stuff. Great stories. We thank the people at Mass Lawyers Weekly. You can find our podcasts also archived at MassLawyersWeekly.com. And uh, Sarah Worley, Max Perlman, joining me as usual this week. We're going to talk to someone who's just a lot of fun, Lauren Beckham Falcone, former reporter for the Boston Herald. She wrote about entertainment a lot. Very funny gal, very funny chick. She um, is now the sidekick and has been for a few years now on the Lauren and Wally show, the uh, iconic Boston morning radio show. And she adds a really cool spice to that. So she's going to talk, uh, give us a lot of funny stories about the Herald, about Lauren and Wally. And she's also going to talk about uh, her daughter, who is a lovely, lovely little girl named Lucy, who has uh, Down syndrome and a lot of the work that uh, Lauren does to support um, awareness in that area. So that's enough of me blabbing. By the way, my name is David Yaz. I work over at Morgan Stanley. And if you like Unbillable Boston, please do us a favor and like us on, uh, whether you see us on Facebook or iTunes or um, any place else you see us, give us a thumbs up, give us a rating, subscribe, and please enjoy the show. This one's for you, Boston. Boston's a different city than it was 20 years ago. The hope rises again, and the dream lives on. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. The world will return to this great American city to run harder than ever and to cheer even louder. This is our f***ing city. Yes, once again, here we are on Unbillable Boston, and um, here, quite a treat to have my friend Lauren Beckham Falcone here. She uh, has a career that spans many different areas, including being the entertainment reporter for the Boston Herald for 
uh, what is it like, Lauren? Like twenty nine years oh, or something? Yeah, twelve. Uh, no. no, what was it? 12? I was I was at the Herald for <laughs> seventeen years, but I started when I was twelve. Right. It's, she, started, <laughs> she started in utero. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I started like I became an entertainment reporter after a couple of years, so I did that maybe for a decade. Of course, obviously, it's in your blood. For those who anyone who has any Boston in them knows who Beverly Beckham is, a uh, longtime columnist for the Boston Herald and now the Boston Globe still the Boston Globe yep. right yeah. yes she just she goes where the action is she you know? certainly does and and uh, Lauren picked up uh, right where her mom left off and uh, I've always loved reading you I always tell you you're the, the funniest chick I know and that um, you're bound for bigger and better things um, and I'm still waiting frankly but <laughs> no but kidding aside Lauren my clothes that's what it is <laughs> my, my bigger and better clothes but if you bigger <laughs> Bound for that. For if sure. you listen to uh, WROR in the morning with uh, Lauren and Wally, who some people in this town have been listening to Lauren Wally for 40 years or 32. more. 32. All right, 32. It feels like 40. Because I remember my dad listening to Lauren sure, and Wally. Sure, my dad did back, too. Back when it was, um, wasn't it F105 or? Yep, uh, it was. It was 105 and it was, um, what was it? VBF. VBF, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they called my father on his 40th birthday. Oh, to wish right? him a happy birthday. Right. And then I turned 40 the first year I was on the show. Oh, my God. We're all getting so old. It is. It's like a, and, uh, <laughs> like a song, isn't it? <laughs> all yes. my life was a circle. So, anyway. I, so uh, there's so many things we can talk to Lauren about, but um, you've been on, on the air for how long now? How long have you been at uh, Aurora? Four years in June. Oh, jeez. Time flies. Okay, so... so is this um, you're one of the shrewd ones who who got out uh, the Herald when the getting was good? I don't know if it was but, shrewd. I think maybe luck had a lot to do with it. But no, you know, I, I did all I could at the Herald. You know, I I started there when I was 21, and I was an editorial assistant and worked my way up and did, you know, like the teen page. I was in charge of that, and I was closest to the demographic at that point. I mean, mm -hmm. everyone else was in their mid-30s. And then um, I became a feature writer, and then I became, you know, entertainment reporter and a columnist. And, you know, after a while, you're like, well, what else do I want to do here? And you could see the shrinking of the newspaper business, and then I... Shrinkage. I, yeah. yeah, shrinkage. Depressing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of the things that you and I have in common, and I used to be at Lawyers Weekly, and I, I got out in 08, and it was... Is it sad to you that times have changed and, and that the print media is, it, it's not dead yet, but it's it's kind of barely breathing? Uh, I think it's sad because I miss um, what that was. Like, it was just so special working at the Herald. I mean, it. I started in 93 and, you know, it was at the, kind of at the tail end of the real good days where... Um, you know, it just was gritty. It was fun. It was interesting. Every I, I remember just getting up every day and just being so excited to go to work. And it didn't change for 17 years. I really loved it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I saw what was happening to the industry, and I saw that what was, you know, everything, things were becoming just much more corporate and... You know, it just we were. And then we we're going to move out of the building. I'm like, well, I can't leave this sick building. I can't. So, right, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Tell us, give us like um, a glimpse of what like a day was like there during the heyday. Because I worked at a trade newspaper, and and I quite frankly, I think it does it doesn't quite compare. We're talking about the the Herald, one of the preeminent tabloid papers 
And for those who, who don't know, tabloid is not a dirty word. In the, no, in the it's not. It's just the way the paper a, opens. Right, exactly. It's the one you like to read on the train. That's right. And, you know, Globe, Herald, for years, it was the, the yin and the yang of, of, uh, of, of Boston journalism. And there must have been some days that were just crazy when news broke. Oh, well, yeah. Like, what, I mean, like, tell, like, give us a couple more. I remember when the Nancy Kerrigan story happened, you know, the why me and the Tonya Harding thing. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, at that point, we had no email or Google or anything like that. It was just stuff coming off the faxes and people calling. I mean, what really made me sad about the Herald in the end is that the phones never rang anymore. You know, you'd walk yeah. in that newsroom and the phones would ring off the hook. It sounded like the Daily Planet and Superman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and there was always a bustle of activity because you had reporters out doing this, you know, calling in the stories and then editors and EAs taking dictation. I remember taking dictation. It was like, yeah. sound, I sound like from Mad Men, but yeah. it was so much fun. The dictation I was taking was fascinating. It's like, the guy she, had she five bullet wounds. I'm like, <laughs> so it was really fun. Lawrence Whitty, I'm going to need that by the end of the day. Yeah. For mentioning Mad Men, she gets extra points. On okay, thank you. She okay. does, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. yes well um, so yeah, like uh, the Waco thing that happened, I mean, obviously... Um, these were when I was younger and really in the newsroom because when I when I got a little older, like in my mid twenties, I went over to features, which was great, but it was a totally different vibe. But when I was in the newsroom as an EA and working on stuff, I mean, remember Katrina Homer? She was the um, nanny that they found. She had been, this chopped in half. Chopped in half. Yeah. And yeah. going out on that story, and I was an EA, and they made me <laughs> made me dress up like a nanny. They made me go out to the clubs and and interview people at like midnight with um. Wait, you weren't really right. undercover. No, it wasn't no. undercover, okay. but it was like... I remember your headline, I, which is Swedish nannies now half off. Oh. No. See, now that's that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, Max, <Yeah>. the major <laughs> points off. So anyway, yeah, but that was fun. Hey, I hold mean, on. I'm taking that out of the show. You are? No. no, no. <laughs> that, was, that would have been the appropriate drop. For yes. All right, all right, sorry. Go ahead. So, Continue. you know, the, just... Really interesting, fun stories, scary stories. How about 9-11? Uh, what was Well, that was awful. Like that that yeah. was just an awful situation because at that point I was um, in features and it was all hands on deck because we really just didn't have a lot of staff. And our staff did such a great job. Like Dave Wedge went down to, um, you know, Ground Zero. Jill Radskin was covering fashion. That that She was down covering Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. And she was, you know, go, uh, you know, going to the fashion shows and all mm -hmm. of a sudden they're like, you got to go down to you know, Wall Street, that area, something bad happened, and she's just walking and walking and walking, and um, it was just terrible for those people. George Martell, the photographer who was down there for Fashion Week, never, you know, he just, the things they saw. Yeah. But on our side, um, you know, it was like me, feature reporter, usually covering, you know, like fashion or what's on TV and stuff like that, knocking on doors and asking people about their loved ones who were in the planes, and it was just, we did, it, the paper did such a good job, but it wasn't. It, it was my least favorite time there. Isn't it um, interesting how the the changing face of media changes the way we remember things? Because um, with nine eleven, we were. Uh, I still have the, the the newspapers. I stuck them in plastic from like you know, the the Globe, the Herald, USA Today from after nine eleven. Um, when the when the bombs went off at the marathon a couple of years ago, yeah, it was more like people found out by email and tweets and Facebook posts. It's and, totally different. Yeah, I mean that was what was kind of fun about being at newspapers initially too, is because I knew the news before anybody else did. You'd get it from the wire, or you get it from yeah. and hours it was, before. 
Yeah, yeah. ours. And so it was yeah, you kind felt of special. special. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You yeah. just felt like you were in, on the inside. And now it's like, you know, it's on Twitter before. I know. You know, well, you know what I used dangerous, to... isn't it? I mean, because it seems like the, like the media has become this race to get very basic information in front of the public very, very quickly. Yeah. And uh, so, so there's not a whole lot of real hardcore reporting going on. It's, a, it's about getting things first as opposed to right. Yeah, I, I think that that can happen. But for instance, like uh, recently there was the... Um, the people who protested in front of uh, I-93 in Milton right. and they, you know, with the barrels and stuff. Um, that, we were, uh, you know, I'm a morning radio and we're right. just like, somebody called and said, there's something going on in 93 and, you know, Hank, our traffic guy's like, well, let me see. And then I just said, well, I'll go on Twitter and boom, it was like yeah. everything I needed to know was right on there because people in their cars taking it, tweeting it. And so in, in some ways, it's great because, you know, there's not much more you need to know about that, other than if you're taking the expressway, you're not going to get to work on did time. You, but did you drive in that time? I did drive in that time. Oh, Were God. you stuck in that? I used a secret Milton cut-through, but I'm not going to tell anyone. I know the secret no. Milton cut-through. Oh, okay, oh yeah. Mind. It's fantastic, Waze isn't it? gave it to you. It right? did. Yeah. Oh, Waze, Waze is really oh, Waze. good. Sure. Yeah. Live and die by it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, so in that yeah. respect, it can be helpful to the public and to, to even me, just, you know, doing the news and saying this is happening. But it is, it is, there are moments where it's great, that that whole, the social media dynamic. I remember the night when they were tracking down the, the bombers. Yeah. You, you all remember that night, right? Where, where... Um, it was the stay in place I, order, wasn't yeah, it? I can't even pronounce Shelter their names, place. whatever it was, but... The, the, Joe it was in, Right, in, in Watertown. Yep. And he was on the run, and he ended up. Remember, he ended up in the boat in the yeah. in the in the in the backyard of some guy's house. And I was um, I was out at a restaurant, but I kept checking my phone, and I was getting tweets. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, two out of every three tweets were accurate. The third was like inaccurate, right. but right. That, but still, it was exciting. Generous, the I thing think. is, yeah. is with the smartphones and with Twitter and Facebook and all that other stuff, you're never really too far away from the news. Whereas I think before. As a consumer of news, not, I'm not talking about working in it, but as a consumer of news, you would just get up in the morning and then there would be your day's news and you'd like, you could handle it. It was like a, like a kind of a big, sometimes awful meal, right. but then you'd like put it away and then you'd go about your business. But now it's just constant, That's you know, like point. I'm yeah. at like, you know, I'm at, I remember this just specifically, I'm at a nice dinner with my husband at, I don't know, some fancy restaurant, Legal Seafood's over. And all of a sudden my phone's next to me because I have a kid. And if you have a kid, you have to have your phone next to you. Right. And all of a sudden my Facebook pops up and it's like, I'm like, Oh my God! Whitney Houston is dead, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like having this nice dinner. I have no connection to Whitney Houston. I don't. But then it colored the whole evening. I'm like, yeah. what do you think happened? Yeah. Oh my God! She was so young, and da 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 da. Did you, did you really actually wonder what happened? Well, I know, but you know, I want to. Then you want to know the specifics. You're like, well, how did it happen? And then, and then a perfectly expensive but nice evening turns into the Whitney Houston. How and the hell did just she die? You, you're right. That, you know? that has so, changed things because that would, it wouldn't have been that way. Because you I might, would have just woken up the next in day. In fact, I remember I found out about uh, Princess Di passing away the next morning. I right. picked up a paper that was probably the last paper I picked up that that shocked me when I read it and and it's it, I'm, I get sort of wistful thinking about those days right know? right do you remember sports when we were growing up it, it was a four minute segment at about 11:20 where you'd get all the information if you missed it right it was the paper the next you waited till the next day that's right right I, I was thinking about that at the other day when I was watching MLB Network and mm -hmm. I realized that if MLB Network existed when I was 13 years old I don't think I ever would have a 
would have had a girlfriend my entire life. <laughs> I would have just watched that all the time. Yeah, I would, think probably. Right, which would have been uh, one fewer girlfriend than you actually had. That's oh, right. Uh, That's right. Oh. Very sad life. No, That's the nice. only alternative was the Boston Globe had a sports update line that you could call, and it was a recorded message of like the scores. Right. And you're not going to – I don't know if you'll believe this or not. 617-265-6600. If anyone's listening from the Globe, I, I, I hope you can confirm right – who knows where the hell that will ring now? Uh, some, some. <laughs> you are fry, flying your freak flag. <laughs> it's like woo. Wait that old ring at the the grandkids of Lee Monfield's house or something. Was it but, like a fifty a call? No, no, it was no. It was that great. was a free call. Like they they just put up a, a recorded and. My memory of that was in uh, 1980 when the uh, U.S. hockey team won the gold. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you re- recall, that, that game in the U.S. was shown on tape delay, and I couldn't stand it. I wanted to know who won. And uh, the, uh, Sorry, the game against the Soviets, not the gold okay. medal game. But yeah. the game. And I called, and I heard, um, and my mom was standing next to me. I heard U.S. 4, um, Russia 3, and I... I thrust my arm into the air and my mom put her hand on my mouth because my dad was watch was waiting to watch oh, the game in the other room yeah, and I wanted yeah, to yeah. know who won. But um, obviously those days are, are, are long gone. So, but tell us about radio. Is is it because I, I personally think you are one of the rare uh, talents that, um, it, Lauren's rolling her eyes at me right now, but um, that your, your writing um, ability translates very well into you uh, talking on the radio. You, you're, you're quick, you're smart, you're sharp, you're funny. Um, not everyone can pull that off. Did, did you always think that that was something that you could do? Well, first of all, that's so nice of you to say. You should really <laughs> lay off the boots. <laughs> um, I, I, also, I promise nothing. I, I'm gonna um, post a picture with this episode that has exactly, David extra yeah. glass of scotch. Which I know, is really. I don't know. How, I got here in mid-interview with somebody else, so um, I'm not sure how much he's had. It's anyway, Friday the, uh, the reason that um, that you think that is because I am <laughs> surrounded by really professional, seemingly um, professional. Mm-hmm. Except for right now. <laughs> no, Lauren and Wally have been doing this for 32 years, right. and they are kind and generous people and so like a good dance partner they make me look good so and I so there is that um did I think I would be good at it can you put away the notes that your PR person yeah really why why did you tell us exactly the opposite right before we went on air yeah Yeah, like those guys no (laughs) (laughs) well no like Lauren and Wally the the charming like they were younger when they started obviously Mm -hmm. but now they're like the charming old standbys right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that we would be surprised if we knew about them? No, they are exactly like they are on the radio. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, which is really kind of it's unique and uh, rare. And there is funny. They're funnier off, like on the, during our breaks. Mm-hmm. That's when I laugh the hardest. It's unbelievable. And Wally always gives you such nice uh, credit. Look who's here, Lauren Beckham Falcone. What a treat! Is he? Oh, that's isn't he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> got a thing for me. I don't know what the problem is. Um, his wife Dirt, can't stand it. No, I'm just man. kidding. No, he's uh, he's great. But but you asked me if I thought I would be good at it. I, I, I had no idea if I would be good at it, but I liked it. Like the first time I went on the radio, I was a feature reporter for the Herald, and I was on the Maddie in the Morning Show. And Matt Siegel um, was, you know, like the, the – I'd grown up listening to him, and I'm like, oh, my God. I think I was yeah. like eight months pregnant. And um, 
I was so nervous, and I was talking about fashion, which is, I mean, I was covering it, but I don't know much about it. Um, so I went in, and he was so... I think this so, is a lovely ensemble yeah. you're wearing today. Oh, thanks. Uh, he, yeah, Brian Bell, my producer, calls it the burlap sack. He's okay. so sweet to me. Um, so anyway, he, so I went on, and I was really nervous, and he was so encouraging. And he just said, oh, we, you know, we'd love to have you back. And, and then, like, little by little, like, once, you know, it was like maybe once or twice a year I would go on and every time I would go on I had so much fun and he was so nice to me and Billy Costa was nice to me and um, Lisa was nice and everyone was great and I would always leave and I'd get up at like you know three or no like five to get on the set because I'd have to go to Medford and I always loved getting up and I always gave me a like it was a charge it was great and I loved doing it and then um Jim and Marjorie asked me to do some stuff on their radio station Mm -hmm. and on Tuesdays talk about pop culture I'm not about anything really Right. Deep, right. but I went on and um and we're still waiting for you to hit the deep topics. Yeah, yeah. So, sure well, you know. Yeah. And then I did that, and that was super fun. And Jim and Marjorie were so encouraging. And then Brian Bell called me and asked me if I wanted to try out for the job as the sidekick to the Lauren and Wally show. And I was like, Wow, wouldn't that be incredible? That's and it just great. all worked out. By the way, on your way out, if you could pick up those names that you dropped, we'd appreciate it. So, um, <laughs> oh no, that's the, just. The so story. The, but, it's not like I was like, and George Clooney called me up and said, "Did he? Did he really? Yeah, he did." Amal, I was like, "Don't marry her, marry me." Have, <laughs> so, have you ever interviewed Tom Brady? I have never interviewed Tom Brady. Oh, okay, we'll work um, on that, will you? I know. And no, sorry, that, that was inadvertent drop. So. I was trying to so, so uh, boom shakalaka. There's, there's TB12. That's TB12. Boom shakalaka. I've never even met him. Believe, well, I'm not. I didn't cover sports. I've met. Uh, yeah, but you're you, um, you know, uh, the celebrity world and whatnot. But, but um, I did bump I'm into me- Clay Buckholtz when I was getting gas in Canton one day. I was like, this guy comes up in this car, and I'm like, what the heck? And then he comes out, and I expect to see a man in a business suit, like Christian Grey from Fifty Shades of Grey. And this person comes out. He is dressed like a homeless clown, and I'm like. <laughs> what is happening right here? This is the most beautiful car I've ever seen. Did he steal it? And then I saw the thing that he wears around his neck, and I'm like, I think, and this came out of nowhere, because I don't really watch sports, that's Clay Buckholz. Now, yeah. I didn't take a picture, which really was long, but I, but it was. He Clay Buckholz should want to hang out with you. Clay Buckholz, is not, he's not exactly on his way to Cooperstown, is he? He's our number one starter for next year. Is so. he still yeah, on the yeah, roster? Yeah. Oh, he's man. Still, he still plays for the Red Sox? Yeah, I guess he does. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, good. There's that. I interviewed <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Very small. Bruce Willis, unimpressed. Really? Yeah, he's grumpy. People, you know what? He's too thin. He Willis. was like, Bruce Willis was like really like fit at one point. And I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, fit people are grumpy because they want a devil dog. <laughs> it's true. They just want a devil dog. And I, I'm like, just I'm subtly a craving dog. a Twinkie myself. Yeah. All right. All so, right. just so my good. theory. I met Tom Cruise once for about uh, oh, yes, 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 seven right? minutes. Yeah. And I have to say he was delightful. And... I'm sure he was uh, medicated or something, but um, no. I was struck by, he's short, but he was so, you could even tell, even though he was wearing uh, you know, a, a suit and tie, he had the jacket off, but um, he looked so, there was like not an ounce of body fat no, on him. No, there's like, never he was an so, ounce of body like, fat. And he looked, um, he looked like younger than I was, and I think he's 10 years older than me. Yeah, but that's because it's, 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 it's Magic Land. really, yeah. Magic Land. Right. I love a fat celebrity. A so fat, <laughs> slovenly celebrity with bad skin. Can you? It's like, it's like, oh, 
love them. <laughs> Who are we talking about here? They're, you know uh, what? I don't know. Because Louis C.K.? He's slightly... He's not even slight. I bet you he's... You know I don't what? want I'll to insult you, anyone. I'll bet you a hundred bucks that he's thinner than I am. No, he's in not. Real life. Stop it. No, in real life. I bet you. It's just a weird phenomenon. Drew Barrymore, all right? You think like, yeah. all right, she's beautiful, obviously. But mm. you think she's kind of regular. Like, oh, yeah, she's she a is, regular yeah. girl. Right. You'd see her walking down the street and be like, regular, cute girl, whatever. Mm. Oh, my God. Polly Pocket small. So I'm like, might- can you sit right... <laughs> just sit on my lap, please. I'm. St- uh, it was unbelievable. And you think that... I mean, that they have personal trainers and they're always tended they're to. They're just... And yeah. They're magic. Yeah. They're they're unicorns. They're human unicorns. Yeah. Celebrities. <laughs> so... <Anyway>. so it- <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> so you... I mean, you have my dream job to be on a morning radio show and, and you have... <laughs> Unless you want to get up at 3 a.m. I think I'll, I would suck it up. Okay. I think I would. But... Um, you have a relationship with the the listeners, mm-hmm. and so has anything sort of surprised you? Or te- I sleep with all of them. I've heard it helps ratings. Yeah, because you sleep with them because they're in their beds listening <laughs> yes, to you. Yes, that's Because a lot of them don't say. have jobs. No, no, um, and that's probably not true. But but te- but has anything sort of surprised you about that dynamic, or do you do you embrace it? Do you love it? Oh tell my us god! About that. So yeah. first of all, our, our listeners are really nice. I mean, they're they're really kind and nice people, and they're not like you know. I really loved the transition from going from the Herald to the Lauren and Wally show because <laughs> when I said I worked at the Herald, people would literally shut down. Like they'd kind of be like, "Oh, I remember I was in I was in Herald readers. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna name drop here, but it was one of the most stunning situations okay. that ever happened." So I was on a travel trip to Nantucket, and I was sitting at the Seasons restaurant, and I was sitting at the bar. Big surprise! Mm. And um, and I was by myself. I'm always at a bar. <laughs> I'm always at a bar. <laughs> I am. And so um, I'm sitting next to this lovely woman, and she's wearing a beautiful coat. And I'm like, oh, I love your coat. That's so pretty. And we get to talking, and yada yada yada. And I'm asking about her kids, and she's telling me about how she taught them how to ski when they were two. And I asked her how she met her husband, and it's like this lovely conversation. She's a little reticent with me, but then I said, oh, I said, what do you do? I work at Fidelity. I'm like, oh my god, everybody works at Fidelity. And she, I go roll my eyes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like in a nice way. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, what do you do? I said, I work at the Herald. And I seriously was like. She just was like, oh, it was really nice to meet you. And she turned the other way. I'm like, wow. And so I looked. Abigail Johnson. It was Abigail Johnson. Oh, my oh, goodness. It was Abigail Funny. Johnson. I'm like, who's this woman? And I just, she looked so familiar. And I Googled Fidelity and, and like, the the top people. And there she was. And so what, had the had the Herald, like, ripped her or something? No, or she that? just didn't want to talk to anybody no. from the Herald. I mean, what, what, it's just. She thought it was a stealth interview. Yeah, like it could have been if yeah. I were stealth in any way, shape, or form. But mostly I was tipsy. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, compli- <laughs> and complimentary. Um, so then, but then when I say I work at the Lauren and Wally show, people are like, oh my God, I love those guys. So, you know, they're much kinder and they're, yeah. you know. They, they, we, we, we broker in fun and jokes, and it's just a nice way to live your life, I who, think. Who did you listen to? Did you listen to the radio growing up, and mm-hmm. who did you listen to? Well, I listened to Lauren and Wally because my dad would make me when I was young. Not, mm-hmm. No offense to Lauren and Wally, but Men from Maine was a little above me when I was like in middle school and high school. And mm-hmm. um, But I listened to Matt Siegel. I listened to like Dale Dorman, you know, those guys, oh, yeah. and um, Lisa Lips, and... Dale Dorman had an, such a great radio voice, yeah. and then every once in a while you'd see him on Channel 56 well, there. Well, that's the thing. And yeah, he didn't look so good. Well, that's the expression. <laughs> you have a face for radio. It's I for think, a reason. yeah. I know. That's, but, I'm working on that. But um. he was he was a real... He was a, Those were the days of... Uh, 
uh, also candle pins for cash with right. um, uh, who was the candle? Uh, Dave Maynard. Oh, or, uh, actually, I'm thinking of Dave Maynard um, community auditions. Yes, right? yes, yep. Star yeah. Yeah, there was Hula a lot Bay. of crossover between them. Yeah. Well, the radio guys were really they were incredibly talented people, and, they, and most of them still are. And uh, you know, like Sonny Joe White and all those guys. I've listened oh, yeah. to pop music. So right. that was the radio. He was I Kiss One Away. Yeah. And for a while, there was the battle. Like the the people on BCN would always speak ill of. Uh, Kiss One Away because that was the disco station, you know, yeah. death before disco, you yeah. know. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and Charles Lacordaire thought he was the, you know, the barometer of uh, hip and everything. He was pretty. He is pretty hip. He, 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 you know what? Oprah bought his house. Is that right? Yeah, he lived in Hawaii when he in retired. Hawaii. He went to Hawaii, and um, those were my guys, Charles. Yeah. And Tank on sports yeah. and um, uh, Mark Parento. Things didn't work out so well for him. No, I don't know if you didn't heard he just it. leave? No, he he had a thing. Uh, ran into a little trouble with relationships with some young people. Uh, that's huh. a matter of public record. You could look okay, that. Okay, I'll check yeah. it out. I'll that was it. after he left Boston. Though. Okay. I think that was in, he went to New York and ran into some trouble. But he was it's such a, a a great radio show, and that that was when like listening to BCN made me feel like I was cool when I was in high school. So you can't see this. <laughs> that's something. Did listening. <laughs> This is pretty much the only thing. Um, so Lauren is checking her smartphone right now because she has a date. So we have we have to get you to where you need to be. But I, t give us a brief moment. Now, uh, Lauren, uh, both uh, you and your mom have written about Lucy, right? Yes. So, so um, and Lauren and I share something in common in that we have kids with special needs. And so, you know, my son Adrian is on the autism spectrum. He's 16. And, and Lauren's daughter Lucy um, has Downs. And you have uh, turned this around, as, as I think many do, and championed uh, the cause of um, Downs, let's see, research, uh, awareness, yeah, and all and that. Yeah, you know tell what, us, including tell us what you're um, up to people lately. with Down syndrome and with special needs in, in daily life. I mean, um, and in, in schools and in and everything like that, and just making sure that she has the most um, access to everything that we all have, you know, mm -hmm. access to. to a good and decent life filled with friends and family and opportunities and you know she's 11 right now so I'm just basically making sure she doesn't download anything horrible from YouTube <laughs> starts off small um, I no, love all your Lucy moments like I mean we're all pr proud parents but your Lucy moments are particularly sweet you pick your spots but I see you because I'm friends with you on Facebook mm -hmm. and you'll put when Lucy does something particularly cute or impressive yeah Lucy it does she does things that she impresses me every day. I, I, she's helping me. She's helping me with my work ethic. When I'm like, <laughs> I can't do, I can't run a 5K, and I'm like, boy, you know, Lucy, she struggles so hard to, you know, for, with handwriting and with, you know, speaking and things like that. So she's an inspiration to me on a daily basis. But I'm, you know, generally lazy, so it's, <laughs> so I'm a work in progress. Right. She's probably looking at me like, I don't know what to do with her. She just really has no motivation. Um, but Lucy and I, we. Uh, She's she's a great kid. She's got a great sense of humor. That's mm -hmm. my favorite thing about mm -hmm. her. She's 11. You know, when she was born, um, I was stunned that she had Down syndrome. So was my OB, and so were the nurses, and so was everybody. No one knew uh, until 12 hours after she was born. And then, you know, then she had an open-heart surgery when she was two months, which sort of put mm -hmm. Down syndrome on the back burner and then just wanted to make sure that she was um, going to live. And, you know, there was a complication in surgery, and there was a follow-up surgery. So we really went – my maternity – leave was not what I had anticipated mm. but um, nonetheless it was you know I, I had her and I was happy and you know now it's just um, 
You know, I, the only way I can describe it is is I I am the turtle and everyone else is the hare. We are the turtle, Lucy and I. And so she is still we're in the race. You know, we're 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 there with everybody else, and we're we're trying as hard as we can. And I think slow and steady will win it eventually, and that's what she teaches me. A lot. Well, that your your husband Dave, who we affectionately refer to as Big Deal Dave. He wrote one of the most eloquent things I've ever read, which ran in the Herald, yeah. right? The the blue Imagine lobster that, piece. Imagine something eloquent. Written. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Kidding. Yeah. No. So so, and you might be able to recount it better than I, but he wrote a piece about blue lobsters, right? And how like Bill Miller and blue lobsters. It was about Billy Miller, yeah. right? Oh, his, uh, from the Red Sox, yeah. right? So uh, the and I'm even though you can tell it better, I'm still gonna tell it because it's my show. But um, so no, but the the thrust of the piece was yeah. that every once in a, you'll pardon the pun, blue moon, a blue lobster comes along. It's maybe one in ten thousand or something. Oh, like it's one in a million. It's one crazy. in a million. Yeah. A, a, a lobsterman, a fisherman will find a blue lobster, and it is viewed as uh, almost a, a miracle, uh, and and beyond a good luck uh, omen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Dave, your husband compared that to Lucy, yeah. and as a way of saying, just because she is not uh, like the typical kids, doesn't mean it's anything to lament. In fact, it's probably something really to celebrate. Mm. And then somehow it must have been around the Red Sox pennant drive because well, he Billy weaved Miller into was doing <laughs> such a good job. And, yeah, and, then, and he was an unlikely aware. hero. Yes, unlikely yes, hero. Yeah. Right. It is. Yeah. It's a great. It's a great. Yeah piece and yeah that's the thing so tell us let, let's at least plug plug the the buddy walk or the i'm sorry what's the organization well that, it's the mass down syndrome congress and every year they do many many things for kids with down syndrome and people with down syndrome you know it goes from like uh, first call where parents um have received a prenatal diagnosis or a postnatal diagnosis of with children with down syndrome and we go out and help them sort of like m- you know make some decisions or adjust to what's happening and give them all the resources all the way up to sort of um you know, kids, uh, adults with Down syndrome and, and helping them have social lives and getting placed with jobs and things like that. So the Mass Down Syndrome Congress is such an important part of our lives. And so they have many things, but the big fundraiser is the Buddy Walk, and it's usually the first or second weekend in October. I should know this because I've been doing it for years, but... Well, people can Google They buddy, can Google, yeah. Google the Buddy it, Walk, It is right. such a great, great thing. You know, um, uh, and, and you know, we've, we've been doing it. Team Lucy has been doing it for years, and my mother... She's a gung ho lady. She's made this her mission to always be like one of the top five fundraisers. She's like, I want the tent. I want her own personal tent. Yeah, isn't that cool though? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's my great. my dad one year championed our my son uh, Team Adrian for the the Walk Far for NAR and AAR, the which is an autism organization, which. I don't even remember what the acronym See, means I because you it's can't, been but keep it up. it's been a while because we've kind of. Uh, switched organizations that we throw support by, but the point of it is he he he, he must have had a hundred people. We got a, a a great photo of everyone on Team Adrian. We called it Parade for Adrian. Oh, that's nice. And um, it's cool to see you know. Yeah, the, you know, I think the fear is that when you have a kid with special needs, the fear is that this that they won't have friends or fa- they'll have family but the support you just look at it like oh my god it's just who's going to be there right. and then when you see that and you see all the people who come out and support you and your child it makes you feel so much better and um it's so important awesome thank you so and listen when where we need to tune in to wror which give us the it's wror yeah. 105.7 105.7 as it always has been and it's for Laura um, and Wally. yeah it's 
five thirty to ten. You can hear. And Lauren is the sassy sidekick. Please check it out. I'm just trying to champion you as I, I know, always do. Do a, I not? You do. Yes. She's bound for bigger and better things. She's the next Ellen. I'm telling you. Ten years from now, it's not Ellen. It's Lauren. So, I'm. Uh, I kid you not. So this has been tremendous, Max. I hope you would agree. Absolutely. Do you have any final uh, questions for I'm actually required to agree. You are? Yes, yes. you are. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Legally bound to agree. Lauren Beckham Falcone, check her out on WROR. Please Google the Buddy Walk. Thanks for joining us on Unbillable Boston. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>